Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of So Poetry. Um, quick note off the top, I am using a brand new uh, program to record, so if anything goes wrong, I'm 100% um, blaming Mov Moavi Screen Recorder 5. Um, if it goes great, then it's all because of that. Uh, with that out of the way, um, I'm very, very pleased to have uh, Ben Burkett on uh, on the podcast. Um, we met in last June at the Vermont Studio Center, um, and you just recently put out a book um, and have been all over the place reading about it. Um, yeah, so how is... Uh, how is that? I mean, we talked a little bit before we started recording that you said it was tough teaching at the same time, but like, how, how have you been balancing that out? Um, like being on the road, it seems like every weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't have a right to complain too much. <laughs> Wanted to publish a book like my, you know, my whole life and more seriously, like the last five or six years. So mm -hmm. In that respect, you know, it's it's totally a dream come true, and um, I, I mean it more just in the sense that you know, anyone who teaches wants to be present for their students and wants to be as available as possible, and mm -hmm. you know, it's not just about grading; it's about office hours, and and it, I think it's harder to do that because for right now in my life, my book kind of needs to be the priority. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but in in a lot of ways, what's nice about this, you know this book tour is that it's, it's kind of like teaching in a way like my, I obviously I, I enjoy reading the poems, but the part that I almost love the most is sort of the Q and a after and the, the conversation mm. like this one around mm -hmm. that, that take place around the poems. Yeah. Do you, have you been getting like good thoughtful questions from people in your audiences or have, have you been getting like the same, have you been getting, I guess, good, thoughtful, a variety of good, thoughtful questions, or have you been getting the same sort of, like, do you find that people tend to want to know the same things about your book, kind of wherever you go, or? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, well, yeah, I'm still so new at this. You, know? <laughs> you talk to an author who's published 10 books, and they say, no Q&A, there's always that, you know, frankly, mm -hmm. like, there's that that guy right the guy who always like says raises their hand and says i have a question and then they just have a comment that goes on for 20 minutes and you're like well that wasted everyone's life <laughs> right um but i i think part, part, partially i've been lucky i've been reading to um you know like i've been reading in bars i've been reading in bookstores i've been reading at universities and so it's been a diverse audience and so maybe that's responsible for the range of questions but also i think i'm just so grateful to have some readers and to have people asking questions that right, it's, yeah, I'm I'm psyched for it. Yeah, because I I feel like I feel like the only real the only real times that I've I've experienced readings that there has been like a Q and A afterwards have been in a university setting. Um, like if I go to readings, you know, like community or like Baltimore readings around the city or you know, it's like things at bookstores and stuff. It, it, it seems, it seems that 
there's more of a sense of like you are you are there to see the people read and that's it like that's that's all that's happening and then if any any sort of mingling happens like afterwards if people hit the bar or something like that um so that that's interesting that to be i i feel like it would be interesting to be in like a bar or a bookstore and to read and then to have this ability to like like hey if you want to know things like ask questions yeah, I mean, I think you're right. In a bar, it doesn't, you know, usually translate as well. <laughs> like a bookstore or a more academic setting, it, it seems to. But yeah. I guess I guess I'm I'm using Q and A really. I mean it loosely. Okay, so you you said a little bit ago that you've been for the past like five, like six, seven years, you've been you've been really wanting to put out a book. Have you been working on this particular book for that long, or has it like? Has the desire been there, but the content has only arrived in the last, I don't know, however, you know, more recently than than the desire to, to put out the book? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's complicated because for poets, um, you know, as, as you know, as a poet yourself, you write the poems and then, you know, if you're happy with them, you think, okay, does this make a collection or have I just written, are these two different collections? Is this a chapbook? Is this a bunch of shit? Is the, I mean, you, know, <laughs> you don't always know what you're looking at. And then sometimes you send it out to publishers and they're going to tell you they're not interested. And so that, you know, closes certain doors to you. Right. Um, I think that I, so I graduated from my MFA in 2012. So like six years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, I'm done. I've got the book. I'm going to send it out into the world. And the world read it and was kind of like, this is not ready to be a book. And so I was like, okay, ouch. But, <laughs> you know, good feedback. So let me keep working. Let me try to, like, revise some of the, the poems that aren't as sharp. Let me just throw out some other poems. Let me start writing some new stuff. Mm -hmm. And so after that kind of overhaul took place, the book got picked up um, – you know, relatively quickly, but it, 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 it's still, there, there were so many rejections that lived behind that, you know? And so it's hard to say because the book has gone through many different iterations. Mm -hmm. Have you, so I, I feel like it's been, I neglected to mention the, the title of the book, which is uh, for the love of endings. Mm -hmm. How, how long have you had that title for it? Is that something that, that did you have that early in the process or is was that something that came together once the manuscript really started to form and and like take shape and you know like just materialize yeah i love the question i mean i think honestly for me the book kind of maybe clicked into place with that title the to answer okay. the title was pretty late um and it became this the, the title poem was the longest poem it's 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 a series of prose poems and um that was something that like, you know, I, I had been working on for a long time and, and that to me was always kind of the crux of the book. And so when that happened, it all suddenly had a shape. I woke up one day and for the love of endings was sort of in my mind. And I thought, you know, that's, it's a weird phrase. I, I love, I love taking colloquial expressions or something like for the love of God and just twisting it a little bit. And mm -hmm. I also, you know, so, so something about that title just sat right and, um, that to me was when the book began to kind of cohere in a different way. Okay, cool. Did, did you know that, 
I mean, like you said that the the long the the title poem of the collection um, was the sort of crux of the of the book. Like, did you did you have a sense that like th- that the the series of prose poems was going to be the sort of heart of the collection, or did that did that take shape when you got the title and you're like, oh, okay, this is this is what this thing is going to be kind of hinged on. Yeah. I would say um, they kind of went hand in hand. Okay. Like once I felt um, I've always loved prose poems. Like a lot of my, you know, some of the poems that I was reading in grad school that continue to sit with me are like, I don't know if you've read Heather Crystal's The Trees, The Tree. I, um, I have not. No. Such a great book. And it's, it's, I think you'd actually really love it. Just, you know, not that I'm super familiar with your work, but the poems of yours that, that I've read, like mm-hmm. just anyway, we talk about her for a long time, but um, <laughs> her prose poems have always kind of stuck with me and I thought, you know, that's a form that might suit me. And mm-hmm. so once I had that established kind of at the core of the book, then the other poems I was able to sort of fit around. around. Okay. Do you know, um, or have you read Tom Hinnon's darkness sticks to everything? I have not. It's a great title though. Yeah. There, there are some, so he, he started, the the book is a is sort of an assemblage of um, all of the small chapbooks and stuff like segments of all the small chapbooks that he that he's published throughout his life, yeah. um, and they start off with like these real short, very stark image poems, and then gradually move into prose poems, and then like after maybe I don't know like the halfway mark point of the book, it's predominantly prose poems, yeah. um, that are still like ridiculously stark and really image heavy and they're they're awesome like i i hadn't encountered prose poems like that before i read that collection but um that might be that might be something for you to look into yeah for sure um so one of the things that i'm i'm usually interested to ask uh the poets like the the poet the guests of mine that are poets is like when okay so this would this would be like a, i guess a two part question and maybe some more parts after um when did you start writing poetry what what were your what were the experiences that you had that kind of led you into poetry as a as a major uh, artistic medium um and have there been any any major shifts in your your writing life since like its inception to now yeah that is a big question <laughs> um i think that i was blessed to have some really good teachers when i was young so there's this um one person who was my english teacher uh in seventh grade uh betsy lapadula and she you know she was giving us poems that you're not supposed to give seventh graders she was giving us like bishop and you know, Lowell and these really super, super depressing and Sexton poems <laughs> giving to 13 year olds, but she was. And so I just, I, I mean, I think I also, you know, she was so intoxicated with poetry that it was hard not to feel her own enthusiasm with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that was a spark, but you asked also about like other phases in life. So when I got to college, I studied with the poet uh, Jory Graham, and in her workshop, we, um, I remember this was, uh, if you if you remember when like the those horrific Abu Ghraib 
photos came out, right, of like the yeah. soldiers you know, torturing different different prisoners and, and humiliating them. Um, mm-hmm. And I I came into workshop one day and Jory had like covered the entire um, all the desks with different uh, photos from the New York Times, and the the message. I think both implicitly and explicitly was as poets, as artists, how do we respond to this today? Like what, how do we make art out of this or as human beings, how do we respond to this as citizens? What is our responsibility to this? And it was just, um, it felt, uh, jarring. It felt necessary. It felt like poetry was a place where these kinds of concerns, political, yes, but also just like what what everyone else was talking about. Like sometimes you go into bio class and then you're supposed to sort of shut out the rest of the world where it's like in poetry, you, you step into workshop and you're not supposed to shut out the world. You're supposed to confront it mm-hmm. and, and really consider it thoughtfully. And so I just love that. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the things that for me, when I teach, like if I have a student who you know, as a business major and they're taking it as a requirement, let's say, I, you know, write poems about business or if you're, <laughs> if you're pre-med, you know, write poems about, about what you're learning in your science classes. I think that can be one of the gifts of it. Yeah. Hmm. If you, um, maybe not the entire pantheon, but if, if you, if you were, if you thought about your, your poetic influences and the, the poets that you're really, um, you're really grooving on right now who would be at the at the very top of your of your pantheon that's a really tough question <laughs> i um, ask i ask the tough questions here on so poetry yeah, I, I came on because i knew this would be a hard-hitting <laughs> um, well let me throw out a, a name um i don't know do you know renee gladman no i don't think so calamities um it came out last year. I, I wrote a short review of it uh, for The Rumpus, and I just love that book. Um, it's it, also actually it's a series of prose poems, and hmm. I recommend it to someone who like if you like Maggie Nelson, maybe there's something sort of similar going on in her in, in Renee Gladman's book. And each I, I'm I'm trying to do it from memory, so I may not remember, but each each um, prose piece begins the same way with like the the sun rising and the day starting again and so each one is sort of like the tale of a day um wow it's kind of like this groundhog day effect but it's also just really smart and really weird and um it a lot of it is like a meditation on writing and on living it's it's really beautiful i i I don't think that book got enough attention and so that's why i'm um plugging it here yeah wow that sounds really awesome yeah, it's out from I think Wave put it out. Yeah, okay, that would that would make a lot of sense. They they put out, um, just like amazing weird things. Mm-hmm. Like I I feel like most things that Mary Ruthley has published in the last couple of years have been th- through Wave, which feels like the exact perfect place for for her <laughs> for her books. Yeah, and she's she's someone I absolutely love. Writing all this down. Um, so what you, if I remember correctly, you write 
other than poetry, correct? Uh, yeah. So when I was uh, with you at Vermont Studio Center, I was largely uh, working on this novel that I've been tinkering with, fucking up, trying to make better, sometimes making better. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm deep in that genre too, I guess. What, so what would be, or I guess like, since you, since you do both, what would lead you to do poetry over like pro or long form prose? And then I guess what would lead you to do long form prose over poetry? Like what, how, how do you employ the, the two? Um, yeah. Or do, do they occupy like a similar space for you? Or is it, I mean, is it that, that like they're doing, you seek them out for, for two different reasons or is it like, it, it's kind of just intuitively that this is a poem and this is part of a novel. Yeah. For your listeners, you can't see what Michael just did with his hands. But just waving, moving them all around. Roads and like <laughs> people lost their eyes. Um, I would say they do such different things for me. I mean, uh, writing this novel, um, irrespective, you know, I, I hope it gets published. I hope it, you know, becomes a whole thing. That would be amazing. But irrespective of whatever outcome, it's it's just been a phenomenal uh joy and learning experience to take part in because the and this sounds so stupid but the scale of it is so massive in comparison to poems and so you are really with these characters for you know however long it takes you to write the book which in my case i started writing it like two years ago or three years ago and so um i'm so deeply invested in them and in their lives in a sense whereas poetry for me is much more about um, you know, mine is like the prose poem series. I tend to write shorter poems. I sort of love um, getting in and getting out. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's like the kind of poem you can write um, a first draft of between subway stops and then spend the next six months like, revising. But I, right. where, so they, they feel very different. I mean, I know that, you know, like one of the things that's great about a Maggie Nelson or Renee Gladman is that they don't really sit easily in, in certain genres. And so they're constantly reminding us that the genre is fluid at the same time. My experience has been that writing a novel, you know, is, is so, so different and has different pleasures and definitely different agonies. Oh yeah. I can, I can, (laughs) I can definitely see that. I, um, I'm very, very envious. Like I, I had a Vu on, a, a, a while ago and we yeah. were t- we were talking about this um, opportunity to say that i'm actually reading with vu in chicago at the seminary bookstore on friday april 20th which i'm super excited about that is absolutely fantastic uh famous plug but Vu's a great guy and a great writer so i'm super super excited to be heading out to the midwest yeah and you said it was the seminary bookstore yeah it's like the u chicago affiliated bookstore um and I think that's like at 6 p.m. So Ooh. any of your listeners in Chicago, I would totally love to see you. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Um, if you, well, no, I'm not. I was gonna say like go up to Ben later and say that you heard him on So Poetry, but I that it if you're okay with that, Ben. If you give that your if you give your go ahead. Um, any listeners that find out about his reading from this podcast, let him know, um, or tweet at him, whatever. Um, yeah, so Vu and I were talking about just the 
the kind of like Herculean slug that is writing a novel and just having to sit with these characters and sit with like like in in the world and for as as long as it it takes you to to write it um and i i've attempted to write prose and i've attempted to write some long form stuff and i've determined that i do not have the uh the writing stamina in order to pull any any of that off whatsoever um i but it, I, can I just interject? It's interesting because yeah, yeah. I remember at, at VSC, you were writing a poem a day, which yes. also kind of stamina, right? I mean, they're obviously different, but yes. So yeah, but it it was the fact that I could I could start and finish a poem in a day, and mm-hmm. I could be done with it, and then I could move on to the next thing instead of having this. I I think that's that for me is is the issue is that because I I have I've experienced this with a lot of. Um, a lot of my music and the fact that I'll have like album ideas or like a couple of songs and just things that like I'm working on, I don't know, like four albums right now. And I've been working on, I think two of them for the last like two or three years. So it's just that, that sense of like, these things are continuing to exist. And I hate that. I want it. I want to be able to go in and do a thing and have it done and then be able to move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess to me, it's the difference between like running a marathon like running a marathon just continually running for you know like ungodly amount of time versus doing a sprint like you know doing a hundred meter dash every day for me i don't i don't know but yeah i do you do you find that like if you've been if you've been working with poetry for a long time that writing the novel or like going to work on the novel is a break or vice versa or like does does one of them feel like it's more of a like okay now like this is an enjoyable thing or like this is you know this is my like my nap or my uh energy um like this is my recharge yeah I would say, I mean, the thing that I use the word enjoyable, the thing that I enjoy is I love sort of like the bouncing between things. Like I get to a place with the novel where I've made it as good as I can for now. And then you move on to the next thing. Go write a book review and then, okay, let me write some new poems or, you know, let me go back to that novel again. Um, And kind of like, I think that I'm, I think that that's when I'm happiest, not just like as a writer, but as a person when I feel like I'm, I've got multiple things going on at once. I think it's also about managing a kind of insecurity because, and if if I were to feel like, okay, I'm just writing this novel. This novel is all I've got. I'm pouring myself into it 100%. Then the failure of it, um, I think, like obviously as a writer, any kind of rejection hurts for sure. But but it's it's almost like putting your eggs in multiple baskets in a way. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not doing this purposefully. I'm not like trying to diversify. You know, like I'm some sort of you know financial wizard or something. It's more just I think subconsciously, if I'm taking on multiple projects, I don't feel the gravity of any one of them failing in quite the same way. And that that allows me to be more creative and more experimental because it's like oh shit i wrote a poem that didn't work today that's okay because i've got other things that you know that might work right yeah huh yeah and i i feel like 
in that way it probably um yeah that's like you're not you're not wedded to one thing or not there's no singular thing that um how do how do i put this there's like there's no singular thing that is your anchor the thing that you're tethered to that's like if this fails that's it for you you know like that's you're you're done because that was that was your life but the fact that you like you said you have so many different outlets that like okay well this isn't working i can just i can just go do this i imagine that's a really a really freeing thing to experience to like to 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 be able to to go into some place and be like to know that like there are stakes but it's not like they're manageable stakes it's not anything that seems completely insurmountable yeah i would say it is but it's also hectic and oh yeah you know what i mean like yeah. i'm running between things and 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 i would also say that you know um i really identify as a poet like poetry is my first you know is my okay. and so the novel feels more like an experiment i don't i don't know if i'll ever write another novel again i mean jesus it seems like the hard like why would i do that to myself again <laughs> but i hope i hope to write poems for the rest of my life you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah there's definitely in terms of identity you know poetry means the most to me okay so would you because i i've often thought about this that like i i know um i have friends that i have one friend in particular that is like a killer memoirist and he writes like amazing poetry but he's, he's he does reviews and other things and i feel like he would consider himself a writer and like i personally i mean i don't i don't have other writing hats that i wear but i would very much identify myself as a poet but yeah. for you like you are regardless of the fact that there are other things that you write you would consider yourself a poet yeah i would i mean poet is um you know we could have a whole conversation around like you know what what it means to declare oneself as a poet and, and why that you know yeah how that both has baggage and also kind of cachet but yeah i mean i um when i'm feeling confident enough to look myself in the mirror <laughs> what i want to is that you are a poet uh-huh whereas yeah I, I write other shit but poetry poetry is what is what it's all about for me really okay so even i won't go back to this novel anymore but like even the process of writing the novel i sort of approached it as I was writing a poem. I was like writing one long poem and I wasn't trying to anticipate a lot of novelists will sort of like map out, you know, what happens in each chapter and, you know, the motivation for each character and everything like that. I, I didn't know where the book was going every day in the same way that I don't know where the poem is going. Um, right. Yeah. Which was fun, but also, you know, makes revision like a real pain in the ass. Right. Yeah. Cause I imagine that. Yeah. To not, to not have that des that destination, I imagine that like there's a huge component of revision that you won't be able to really do until the novel itself is done yep. because like as far as like organization or like this information needs to happen first or you need to get this bit of information later if you don't know where it's going to end you're like I don't I don't know when you need to know when the reader needs to know this or should find out about that yeah great process for writing a first draft though oh yeah very messy for for, for revision. <laughs> um, okay, well, since since you've been dealing with um, 
with doing readings and having a having a book um what what would be your ideal way for uh an audience to experience your work like if if you could if you had complete control over how people interact with and engage and experience your work like what what would that entail for you hmm. i've really thought about it um i mean part of me you know i my first impulse is to say that i don't want to put those sorts of constraints on my reader like i i think part of it, it, i think part of what's so special about writing a book or or writing in general is that you put your words out into the world and then they are received in all these different places in all these different ways mm -hmm. even, even when they're misconstrued or even when someone doesn't necessarily like what you're saying or thinks you're saying something other than what you might intend like that is its own gift in a way like um but then there's also just the the um there's also you know I, this is going to sound a bit morbid but like a lot of my poems are about mortality too i really have felt that like sending out like I, I sent out a couple copies of the book to former teachers or you know one or two people who i really wanted to have it and just putting the book in the mail and sending it to Atlanta, Georgia, or a friend of mine who's in Lebanon right now, or California, there was a part of me that was like, you know, I really hope I don't get hit by a bus tomorrow, God forbid. But if I do, at least, you know, these words continue to exist out there. And that's yeah. not to strive for some sort of like, um, you know, my, my writing shall endure or, you know, making a mark on society. It's nothing like that. It's more just like, um, it's exciting to think about you spend so much time in front of the page and then that page is received by other people in other places in ways you can't imagine. That's, that's right. such a cool thing. Yeah. Hmm. But I really hope I don't get hit by a bus. You can maybe get <laughs> that traffic uh, outside my New York City window. And so... <laughs> 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 yeah. Huh. Because I, like... I have a very, like, for me, there's a very particular way that I would want readers to come and to come to my work and to experience my writing, um, which is one of the reasons why I, I struggle so much with, with doing readings. Cause I like, I don't write to be read aloud. Like I would, or to be read to like a huge group of people, mm -hmm. um, huge being, you know, like 2015, maybe, um, I, I feel like I write, like, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, when I write, I, I don't have an intention that I'm writing for the page, but I feel like my poems exist better or have more of a life for me or more of a vibrancy when they're on the page. And I like, I would prefer to give someone a, a book, they go away from me and read it you know, like by themselves while they're, you know, just in their downtime, in their chill time and just spend a lot of time with it and then come back however long later and be like, Hey, I read your book. I, I liked it. And like that, like that interaction with them. So like, I'm not, I'm not present, physically present for their experience of it. Like, I feel like there needs to be some sort of separation from me. Like, I don't like, and that could be just my own, I don't know, like weirdness with, um, 
I don't know. It's it's weird for me to receive gifts. Like I don't I don't know like what to do in response to people and I feel like with with poetry there is this like I feel like there's an expectation of me to to say or to 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 give them something more than just like just the book. So I want them to experience it as far away from me as possible and then as like an afterthought come back at some point and be like, "Hey, that was good. That was good. Good job." Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I like that idea a lot. Because um, I guess, the, you know, why do you need the page? If you're just, if, if and, and obviously, like, we could have a whole conversation about poetry as oral tradition and, you know, mm-hmm. spoken word, and there's, like, a million different ways of poeming that are great. But you only need the page if um, there is that distance between writer and reader right because otherwise i can just like i could tell you a poem right now right off the top of my head and we would never have to write it down the technology of the page becomes unnecessary Mm -hmm. so um i think there's something really cool about what you're saying about sort of like the author writing it down going off away somewhere and then meeting again or maybe you know not even yeah just just to have like to have the exchange be like there is this I'm giving you this thing that then you can and I, I think one of the one of the issues I have with readings is that like when I when I sit down and read poetry I tend to like hover I mean I might I might blast through like five or six poems and then there's one that it's just like I'm gonna spend the next 10 minutes just dealing with this one poem um, and when I go to readings there's there's not the sense of like I can I have the I I wish that I I had the ability to pause a reading so I could just sit while like nothing else is happening I could just stop time and just sit and absorb the thing that they that they just read and then unfreeze time and then let them continue but you know it's like you just kind of you just go um and that's I I feel like I resist that or I'm not sure how to how to maintain or how to cultivate that sort of um i don't know like contemplativeness or rumination on a single thing in in the scope of like you know i have 15 minutes to read poems and you know like i i want to to give you like as many of the of my poems as i can and put them out there in the world but then it's like you can't you can't hang out on any one particular thing um so I don't, I don't know. I don't like I've been I've been thinking a lot about how to how to make how to how to take how I want my my poems to be experienced and insert that into the, the like the reading um, format. And I have yet, I have not yet figured out a viable way to do that. So if you have any ideas, I would be I'm all ears. All right, we'll but... have to follow up. I'm not sure I <laughs> your answer. I mean, I also think some poets are just gifted at which is not to say that you're not, but, but Oh no, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible reader. I don't have very good audience rapport. Interesting. Well, <laughs> well I think we're developing a nice rapport right here, but yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, as a, as a, as an audience member, like forgetting, like not, not talking about myself as a poet, you, you go to some poetry readings and you're like, wow, that was amazing. And, mm-hmm you know, get this person's book ASAP and then you read it and you, and you might think, wow, these poems read different on the page than when I heard them. Vice yep. versa, I've gone to readings where, you know, I, I haven't loved 
the performance and then I do love the poems on the page. And so, um, which, which is not to say that one is um, hierarchically more important than the other. I just think that they're two different skill sets. Yeah, yes, I 100% agree. Um, but since, since we're on a little bit of a time crunch, um, I would like to ask you my last two traditional questions for the podcast episode. Um, cool. The first one is, if you have the vocabulary for it, uh, what is your internal landscape like? Oh my God. If I have the vocabulary, um, my so, internal landscape. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, no, I just like, like if you, if you were to like close your eyes and just sort of like still whatever it is that's happening on the inside, if there is a, if there is a location or like a, an image or whatever that is that seems to be there more often than not, like what, what would that, like whatever it is that's like your internal place. Hmm. I don't know what it says about me that I'm inclined to say uh, a skyscraper of anxiety surrounded by honking car horns. Feels, okay. Feels right. So are you are you at the top of the skyscraper? Uh, I am that are, are the you in the middle of the night. Okay. Huh. Yeah, send help. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I wish. This is this is might be informed by what I'm looking at outside my window right now, but um, yeah, let's 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 stick with that. Okay, so you would, so the 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 skyscraper, the thing that has thrust you up into the sky is anxiety, and you were like the the, the little pinnacle, up at the very tip top of that. I think so. Okay. Does it like? Can you can you? Is there a city that's populated around you that you can look at? and see or is it just like it is just the horns and the skyscraper and you up the top this is getting intense michael i think um <laughs> i'm not sure what i'm seeing but uh i think you know i let me let me let me step back a little bit and say i feel like a lot of great art comes out of a sense of urgency and what, what, what is that urgency? Is it, you know, one's political life is, is in jeopardy because their rights are violated? Is it because they feel at risk somehow, whether it's just their own mortality or there's something in their life that's unresolved? And um, I'm often quite anxious when I write. I, th I think that that's a lot of, sometimes, you know, I describe my poems as sort of sometimes running in and running out. Mm -hmm. And, um, Maybe that's why the prose poem is a nicer format for me because it, it allows me more time. But huh. I, I, I do tend to, I'm an anxious person. And, although I'm told I don't manifest as anxious, which is always so strange to me. <laughs> but, I, but I'm super high strung and, and self-hating sometimes. And so unfortunately, I wish it weren't the case, but that I, I think my internal landscape is, is dictated by that, to be honest. Okay. Wow. That's really interesting. This this is by far one of I think like my favorite questions that I have that I ask people consistently because I I never know quite what to expect or what people are going to bring to the table with with their landscapes. So this, I this... assure you that was not rehearsed. I <laughs> internal landscape that way, and I have to sit with it for the rest of my life. So thank no, you. well that's that's the thing. Like mine mine is a pretty static image. Like there are there are aspects of it that change 
and there's a little variation, but overall it is a very static thing. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily how it is for everybody or how it should be for everyone because like you change and it's you know like depending upon where the landscape sits and is situated on the inside of you you know like whatever changes you go through could drastically shift around whatever that however that looks yeah Um, and what your experience is with it like you might shift like let's say you have you're on the skyscraper at some point you may shift to like another building or you may shift to something something else if you keep with like a cityscape there you could be some other aspect in the city um but my last question for you is do you have any questions for me or any question for me on any, anything anything if there's any whatever no no topic is off the table about the poem that you're working on right now what's the most recent poem that you're working um, so I have not yet written anything for this, um, for this particular poem, but I, I recently, I think inadvertently started a series, um, of, of poetry exploring like what it means for me to be an agender identifying person in a masculine gendered body um which is things that i've been like i've been exploring and living with that fact for a while but i have up until i don't know maybe a couple weeks ago i had never attempted to write about it um so i i have one poem in that series so far and there's another poem that i've been i've been thinking about and working on um or at least thinking about and letting it sort of sit with me about the idea of um like viewing my body as like a hand-me-down that's Hmm. something that like or this the 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 sensation that i that i get when i think about my body is the same sensation that i get when i would be gifted like my brother's clothes when he grew out of them that it's this thing that like it's it's mine but it's not really mine um and, and the sort of idea, because I've had this idea for a while and I haven't been able to fit it into a poem and I think that it's going to show up in this one. The idea that like, when when do like hand-me-downs become yours? Is it, a, is it a, a an issue of time that just you have it for such a long time that it is implicitly yours? Or is it, is it an issue of like usage that, you know, like, which kind of correlates with time that's like it just it's in your possession and you you are wearing it for such a long time that it is now yours um or like do they or is it is a sort of like i don't know um almost like sedimentary that there is like a at the bottom line there is the original owner and then your possession just kind of sits on top of it so it is it is yours but it's never going to be like 100 percent all the way through your i don't know and that's thinking about that in, in like my body and in, in the the idea that like the the way that I identify on the inside I don't think I will ever be able to manifest physically so there is this sense of this sense of disconnect of like can I ever claim my body as my own I mean I, it is implicitly my own but can it ever like truly be my own when it doesn't feel like it fully fits with like, I don't feel like I'm ever going to grow into it. It always feels like there's going to be, you know, like the sleeve, the, the sleeves are going to be too long or it's like, it's going to be too tight around. 
the chest or something. But, you know, it's like, it's still mine and I still have to wear it. So, you know, like, I don't know. But that's... That's something that I've been thinking about for the last, like, week and a half. And I'm, I think I'm getting close to actually getting it on a page. And maybe the next, I don't know, hopefully the next week or so. I'm glad you shared that with me. That sounds... Uh really like a worthy project i'll be interested to see where it goes yeah i i am too i um i have not i have not done any research for, on this but i i don't know if there's a whole lot of like specifically agender poetry that's out there um and i know that there are other people that identify as agender out that exist out in the world but um i don't know this it feels one of the things that I've always felt like with my poem is kind of like what you're what you're saying earlier, like the sense of urgency. It's like what's what's at stake here, or what you know, what is what is the the urgent burning thing happening? And for a while, it it hasn't really felt like my poetry has ever. I don't personally feel like my poetry is. I feel like I've gotten maybe approached it, but I've never really kind of arrived there. And these poems feel like maybe for the first time, it's like. I'm getting to something that feels like urgent and important and, you know, like a burning thing for me. So it's, I don't, it's going to be, it's going to be weird. And I think challenging because it's, I don't, I think we're going to have to kind of cobble together our vocabulary for a lot of this stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. It feels like it's going to be, a, at least for me personally, it's going to be a lot of new, new ground to cover, which is, you know, exciting and terrifying as, you know, like when you're on the threshold of something new, usually is. Yeah, like the top of the skyscraper. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Um, okay. Well, um, I think that's probably going to do it. Uh, thank you, Ben, so so much for for agreeing to talk with me. Um, I've been I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, and I would be if you're down for it. Maybe next season or so to like we could sit down and talk about have some of those like longer discussions that that popped up uh earlier in the episode yeah um but before before i go i would like to say uh once again thank you for to all the listeners that are out there um i've been checking the stats on the soundcloud um whoever in swansea in the in wales has been listening thank you so much it's awesome uh there's somebody in Kathmandu who who got a listen up a couple of days ago um so again, I don't know who y'all are. I don't know how you found the podcast, but thank you so much for listening. Um, and Ben, do you have any have any words that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Or no, I just want to say thank you to you, Michael, for uh, finding words to talk about poetry and and making the time. Yeah, and again, if if anybody finds out or has discovered the Chicago uh, reading that Ben's going to do with Vu, tweet at him, show up, and let him know spread spread the spread the poetry spread the love yeah um, yeah i'd love that and vu trans book is dragonfish it's awesome my it, book for the love of endings just came out i'm down done plugging <laughs> go go buy the books go go get them i'm gonna i'll put them up in the description so you have easy access to grab them if you'd like um but yeah i think that's gonna do it so uh i will talk to you all next time <laughs>